Hello, Broadway Radio listeners. This is James Marino. Today is Monday, July 5th, 2021, and a holiday in the United States. The Today on Broadway crew let me take today's show. July 4th is the unofficial start of the summer, and for the 14th year, Jan Simpson has published her summer reading list at broadwayandme.com. In today's show, Jan and I spoke with Eddie Shapiro, the author of a few wonderful theater books, one of which made Jan's list this year. After our conversation with Eddie, Jan and I talk about a few of the other books on this year's list. Matt, Ashley, and Grace will be back in your ears tomorrow for Tuesdays, Today on Broadway. So with us today, we have a very special guest. Eddie Shapiro is with us. He has written a new book called A Wonderful Guy, Conversations with the Great Men of Musical Theater. It's a follow-up to his uh, previous book, Nothing Like a Dame, which talked about some of the greatest living female stars of American musical theater. Eddie, thank you so much for joining us on Broadway Radio. Uh, my pleasure. I was trying to decide if it was appropriate for me to chime in and say, I think the sentence there is, in nothing like a dame, Eddie Shapiro, blah, blah, blah. But if you're reading it, it can be tricky. Yes. <laughs> uh, reading always stumbles me. Right? It's hard. It's hard. <laughs> Okay, well, Eddie, I'm going to jump in and just ask you, because I've been wondering about this since um, I read Nothing Like a Ding like four or five years ago. How did you get the idea for these books? It's such a great idea. Oh, um, well, thank you. Um, the idea actually came, um, in a, in a, in a bit of a, uh, progression. Um, I am, uh, a massive devotee of Barbara Cook. Um, and I would go listen to Barbara Cook in concert anywhere she would perform. Um, and if you've ever seen Barbara Cook in concert, um, you know that between her songs, she would regularly talk about, uh, the golden age of musical theater and being in rehearsal rooms with the likes of Leonard Bernstein or Stephen Sondheim or Richard Rogers. Um, and she would have these amazing stories to share. Um, and I would listen to these stories and uh, was always captivated by them. And I thought to myself, well, Barbara Cook is getting up there in years and is not going to be around forever. Um, shouldn't, shouldn't somebody um, make it their mission to capture these stories and more? Um, so I wrote Barbara Cook a somewhat extravagant, somewhat impassioned letter um, saying, hey, wouldn't you like to collaborate on your autobiography? And no. she wrote back a less impassioned, less extravagant, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. Um, but then I thought about it some and I thought, well – why stop at Barbara Cook? There are so many great stories and, and, and people to tell them. Um, so I wrote to her again and I said, well, what if this wasn't your autobiography? What if you were just a chapter in this book of, of other women? And to that, she said, yes. Um, so mm-hmm. I was off to the races. And um, the, the irony is um, that Barbara Cook doesn't appear in Nothing Like a Dame um, because by the time the book came out or was ready to come out, she asked me, she had decided to indeed write her own autobiography and she asked me not to run the chapter, um, which was a real shame to me because I thought the chapter, and I still do, think the chapter was excellent. Um, but I am doing um, yet another book, um, and this time that Barbara Cook chapter will be included. When you uh, spoke with these stars, uh, did you record these conversations? Oh yes, absolutely. Um, if you if you um, mm. look at the book, they are uh, they are. Um, I, I couldn't. I could. I certainly d- um, don't have the skill um, to take uh, down that <laughs> with that much information um, when it's thrown at me. So they are all recorded. And yes, when I die, some archive then uh, could be imminent. Um, we'll get <laughs> hours and hours. I mean, some of these conversations. You know, I sat with Patty Lapone for thirteen hours. You know, some of them get go out. On on. Yeah, they, they, so what you see in the books, um, even though they are career encompassing conversations that really cover their full careers, um, they are still highly edited um, uh, because we just talk so much. Sure. 
Wow. So you have to uh, make sure that those uh, recordings are saved and talk to the curator at the New York Public Library, the, uh, the Library of Performing Arts. And, yes. Uh, and, and then, of course, they'll end up hearing things that I never intended anybody to hear, like, you know, B.B. <laughs> Newworth and I talking about my, my, my love life or whatever. But there it is. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you grew up singing, uh, singing music from every cast album that you could get your hands on. And now you sat down with some of the me- most talented men and women in, in, uh, in Broadway's history. When you sat down with uh, Ben Vereen or, or Stokes or... Jonathan Groff, Michael Severus, on and on. Oh, uh, Len Cario. So did you, yeah. how, many, how many Sweeney bars when you sat down with them or, you know? I am quite um, careful, uh, as I think we all are, um, <laughs> trying not to make idiots of, of ourselves. <laughs> now, of course, um, it's a completely subjective point. So uh, sometimes, even though I did not ever sing a Sweeney bar, I would, I would, there were stories that I would sometimes share of my own about my own experience seeing them or interacting with them or something. And I would always wait until the end, till after we had done the session, because I'm like, I cannot risk alienating them from the start with telling them about, you know, the time I stalked them down 8th Avenue or whatever. So I always save it. <laughs> uh, so you didn't say to Raul, uh, hey, Raul, did somebody hurt you too much? Somebody <laughs> know you too well? Yeah, I, I uh, f- you know, I guess I'll have to call him and, and, and go back with that. <laughs> <laughs> How did you, I mean, did you just sit down with a dream list and just write down all the people that you wanted? How how did you come up with your list? And then how did you get to them? Because, and in both senses, because you got people to really open up to you. Uh, So these are all... um uh separate questions yes. um so um and and ones that 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 uh interest me because they 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 don't necessarily have the same answer but but uh you know each person was different but um in terms of the first piece how how did i get the list um you're absolutely right i made a huge lists of you know who would possibly qualify for both of these books mm-hmm. and then um you know because as i mentioned these conversations are career encompassing I really wanted to be um, talking to people for uh, with more content than you would find in any typical article. Um, Mm -hmm. um, uh, So, you know, it it really starts with when, when did the theater bug hit you and, and, and goes through every show that they did at least on or off Broadway um, uh, or every musical anyway. Um, uh, so knowing that there were going to be really long chapters, I knew that I had to call the list to um, uh, manageable numbers so that the book wasn't the size of a phone book. Um, and also so that they would publish me without, you know, taking me out of the room for, for giving them an volume. <laughs> but um, so the way to do that was, um, A, I limited it to people who had um, – uh, careers, full careers in musical theater. So there are some very, very, very wonderful and talented performers like Hugh Jackman or Alan Cumming or Ben Platt or even Billy Porter, um, who have done great, great, great work in musicals. But they, they, you know, Alan Cumming has actually done two musicals on Broadway, Three Penny Opera and, and, and Cabaret. Um, and since what we're talking about is each of the shows that, that's, that these people have done and the different rehearsal rooms they've been in and the different people they've worked with, if I sat down with Alan Cumming, we would be out of shows to talk about very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, so I limited it to people who had full careers, um, in musicals musical theater. Um, in the female book, I, I limited it further by um, insisting that they had at least one Tony Award. Um, in the men book, they had to have been nominated at least. Um, and uh, then, of course, probably the most important piece of the criteria is they had to say yes. <laughs> not, not everybody did, despite my my uh, pleading, my repeated courtships, my bribery. Um, there were people who passed. And that, uh, Jan, comes to your to the point of, you know, how did I get to them? Um, it varied. Um, in some cases, um, because I've been a theater journalist and had written for, for um, a number of 
um, uh, magazines before. I had interviewed Cheetah Rivera, for example, several times. I'd interviewed or I knew Kristen Chenoweth personally. So getting those people was fairly easy. Um, but in some cases, it took, you know, me delivering flowers or me talking mm-hmm. to their dresser or me, you know, really, really cajoling. Um, and even in some cases, sending them chapters of other women to say, here's mm-hmm. what it's going to look like. For mm-hmm. the men book, it was easier um, in many regards because nothing like a dame existed. Right. So I could always refer them to nothing like a dame and say, this is, this is what it's going to look like. And, and, and they knew that I was legit at that point. Whereas with the women, they were kind of like, well, who is this guy? So, <laughs> um, uh, but, but to your third question, which is how did I get them to open up to me? Um, got me. Um, I have heard it said a lot. I get asked that question a lot. Um, and I can, I can't be objective about it. Of course, I can only say, um, that, uh, people feel comfortable talking to me. Um, and because people feel comfortable talking to me, uh, they feel safe enough with me to share what they've shared. And I feel very, very, very fortunate for it. And I'm, I'm privileged, um, to feel like they did open up that way. Although I did get a piece of information from Carol Channing that perhaps informs the question. Um, the first time I left Carol Channing, after the first time I spoke to her, um, she said to me, well, thank you so much for being <laughs> interested. And I said, interested? Carol, isn't everybody who speaks to you interested? And she said, well, no. <laughs> so, so that, that what, and I really thought about that. And I was like, well, if people come in here and they sort of act like they're on assignment and they, they don't really know what you're, what they're talking about, then no, people are not necessarily going to feel comfortable enough to open up. But I think because the Broadway theater is, is, is my passion and I walk in with a lifetime of theater going behind me and, and in me, um, and, and such a love for it, I think, um, um, they uh, are responding to that um, and, and responding to, to feeling like the person with whom they're speaking is um, uh, really there to, to respect and honor the thing that they do um, with no other agenda. Perhaps, but I can't speak for them. So if you want to get, we could call Patty and ask her, but that's, <laughs> that's, my, that's, that's my hunch. What was that phone number? We're called. <laughs> exactly. Actually, I'll another one that informs that conversation. And I do love this story. Um, although I do, um, I am focusing on the women a lot, but um, Elaine Stritch would say to me things like, Eddie, what the fuck kind of question is that? That was 50 years ago. How the hell am I supposed to remember? And I was like, well, perhaps knowing yourself as you do, you might conjecture about how you might have felt the time. I mean, it was really like that. Pulling teeth. Uh, and she would said to me at one point, Eddie, that's the past. And I get so bored talking about the past all the time. And I said, you're one woman show notwithstanding. And she literally <laughs> sat up straight in her chair. And from then on, I had her. From then on, she was totally with me. And I think that she just wanted to make sure that um, I was um, – uh, a formidable opponent. I don't know, but, but she was, she was, res- and then, and then even after uh, the, the, I had done the interview, she called me um, to tell me a story. And I so appreciated her calling. And then she said to me, I got to tell you something, Eddie, I get so bored talking about the past all the time. But when I talk to you, you have such a genuine enthusiasm for this stuff that when I think of a story, I get excited to share it with you. And Aww. that was, that was a, I'm so glad I have that on tape because who would have believed it? But B, um, uh, again, I think it informs your question, Jan, about what makes them comfortable enough to speak to me, um, as honestly as they do. I think they, they sense my genuine, um, respect for, for what they do. Well, it's really clear in the, in, in the book. And I'm not, I'm not just saying that. I mean, I've, um, interviewed people and I've read lots of interviews and I've read lots of interviews and interviewed some of the people that are in your books. And you just really got to the core of them. And I'm wondering, did you find a difference between the men and the women or no? Yeah, I did. Um, but it's hard to say uh, if it because other things changed, including mm. me. So, mm. you know, was I different coming in differently. And, and, and that that's that's some of it, too. Um, but one of the things that I noticed um, in several of the men that was not true of any of the women um, were men were willing to talk about money 
in a way that the women did not. Mm. Um, there was a lot of candid conversation about the fi- financial realities of being on Broadway. Um, uh, and with, with like some people would even throw out numbers about like, well, this show paid that. And, you know, and women don't, or at least the women I spoke to in this book did not talk about money quite so frankly. Um, And that was an interesting observation. Hmm. That's really, really interesting. So uh, I wanted to ask you uh, for, for both, uh, both of your books, the men and the women, if you had a time machine, Hmm. can you go back to interview anybody that you couldn't get in these books because they had passed away uh, mm-hmm. do, do you have a couple of people that you would have gone back to to talk with? I mean, James, if you're like, that's Sophie's choice. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> but of course, any Rogers or Hammerstein. <laughs> Both books are actually have dedications at the front of them. Um, and they name a bunch of people by first name. Um, and those are all the people, you know, the first one is dedicated to Ethel and Mary and Gwen <laughs> And Dolores Gray and Pearl Bailey, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, people who I missed, and the same with the men, Alfred Drake and John Raitt and Richard Kiley, um, uh, people I missed and 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 would have loved to speak to. But if you make me pick one, I mean, who doesn't want to talk to Ethel Merman just for the sheer comedy? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's true. <laughs> oh my goodness! So if you were. Um... Uh, did you have to cut anything or did you have uh, interviews that just didn't make it because of uh, book length or something like that? Or, you know, is there uh, a possible addendum? Will you be doing this at 54 below on both the East and West coasts? Mm. <laughs> um, well, now you've planted a seed. Uh, <laughs> um, certainly, um, there are lots of things that ended up on the cutting room floor for varying reasons. Um, some because of space, some because there were stories that were um, uh, people asked me not to include either at the time of the interview or after the fact. Um, they would call and say, "Hey, I just decided I don't. I, I, that might be a little, you know, uh, not because it was too personal, but often because they were afraid of hurting other people." Um, or occasionally it was because, you know, I'm still working in this business and I don't want to offend that director. I don't want to offend that producer. Um, Mm -hmm. so there was a little bit of that sometimes. Um, uh, and there were, but there is another book coming. Um, so some of the, what's, what's, what's the, the theme of that one? The next one is another edition on more women um, because oh. there were so many women who I um, f- didn't get to. And then others who in the time that I published nothing like a dame really sort of came up, um, mm-hmm. you know, Jesse Mueller is somebody or Stephanie block are people whose careers really blossomed after nothing like a dame mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. Kelly O'Hara won her Tony award. So I have an opportunity to go back to people like that. Um, so uh, I'm halfway through that new book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you say this Kelly O'Hara person, is she oh, very, is she oh, very famous? Goodness. James. <laughs> James. Oh, James. <laughs> You're not familiar with her oeuvre. Am I going <laughs> He's familiar with her oeuvre. Believe me. <laughs> and Kelly O'Hara, by the way, um, Kelly O'Hara and Audra McDonald are two people who um, the thing that so impressed me and impresses me about both of them um, is they are so totally grounded. Um, uh, they may not think of themselves that way, but it, just in every communication with them, it, uh, not just the interviews themselves, but, but the communications, it's just sort of like, it's not going through people. It's not, it's just direct, it's texting and it's, and it's, and it's, and it's always smart and it's always thoughtful and it's, and it's never sort of flaky. And I just, I, I so appreciate um, the way both of them managed to be, um, professional working, um, women who are also mothers of small children mm. and also um, just decent human beings. You talked to Laura Benanti so many years ago and, and she's got her, her life is with the birth of her child and television series and producing and doing all sorts of other stuff. Uh, uh, you know, talk about somebody who you, you spoke to and would have a whole set of news stories right now. 
Yes. And Laura Benanti, um, uh, give me the great honor of writing the, the forward to, to a wonderful guy, um, which is so, um, so kind of her. Um, uh, and what she said in there, um, was, um, uh, again, it's sort of to, to, to your point, Jan, that there was, there was a comfort level with me, um, that she hadn't experienced with other people. And, and not only did it make her sort of a more, more open to talking to me, but then as she read Wonderful Guy, she could recognize, um, sort of a, a difference in other interviews that she had seen with other people. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, it's very humbling and flattering to hear people who I idolize, whose work I idolize, um, appreciating my work back. Right. Have you thought about doing directors and, and or choreographers? I'd love to see you get those folks. Maybe, um, you know, I tend not to, um, sort of, um, plan, uh, so far in advance. Um, uh, but, but yeah, I've thought about, I mean, I thought about Broadway dogs. That would be a nice short. Book. <laughs> <laughs> and, and by the way, I don't mean to, uh, love Broadway choreographers and Broadway dogs. <laughs> um, but, but yes, I have thought about different approaches. The thing about, um, uh, choreographer that makes me think I'm not the right person, um, to ask the question, or maybe I am from a reader's point of view. I don't know, but because I don't speak the language of dance, um, am uh. I the person to, to, to be asking it for the audience that's likely to be reading. But uh, may, but maybe that's precisely why I'm the person who should mm. do it. I don't know. Mm. Uh, Broadway dogs. You should talk to Bernadette Peters because she does that uh, Broadway barks. <laughs> and- yes. Well, that would be the way to talk to Bernadette Peters because um, – the reason she doesn't appear in Nothing Like a Dame is because what was reported to me. And by the way, I, I haven't, I, I tried harder with her than with anybody else. I went every imaginable route, <laughs> including bringing dog biscuits to her. Um, uh, um, uh, she is not, at least what was told to me, um, not so big on talking about herself. While she's very, very happy to talk about dogs. Oh, yeah. Not that really. would have been that's uh, Broadway Barks. Get that <laughs> your angle to get in. Right. right. But yeah. No, I was I was even like, well, we'll talk about Broadway Barks. We'll talk about your commitment mm-hmm. to that. Nope. No go. Mm-hmm. About uh, Sarah Jessica Parker, because she played a dog and Annalie Ashford, who played a dog. And... <laughs> well, OK. You know, this Broadway dog thing suddenly has legs, right? <laughs> Four of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great. 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 Oh, so, um, uh, so uh, this list here, um, uh, I can't count past 10, but certainly more than 10 of these gentlemen that you spoke with, uh, Jill Gray, John Cullum, Len Cario, Ben Vereen, Michael Rupert, Terrence Mann, Howard McGillan, Brian Stokes Mitchell, Kudish. Servers, Norm Lewis, Will Chase, Christopher Sieber, Norbert Leo Butts, Christian Borle, Raul Esparza, Gavin Creel, Cheyenne Jackson, Jonathan Groff. How long did this process take you? Did the, was this a two year process or how did you? How long did it from, you know? It's more, it's more than two years, but there are a couple of reasons for that. Um, one is that books take a long time. Sure. Um, two is that books don't pay a ton of money, so they mm-hmm. don't pay my rent, um, which meant that um, there were periods of time when I was off actually working and doing what I do to, to, to make money so that I couldn't then afford to, to take the time to write. Um, uh, so uh, since I produce events, I'd be, you know, off for three months at a time working at an event and then, you know, back focused again. But then thirdly, these conversations, as I mentioned, were, you know, could be marathon. Um, and somebody like Norm Lewis, um, we talked, we probably did four or five sessions um, and those were spread out over a couple of years. And the reason they were spread out over a couple of years was because of his schedule and my schedule. I'm working, I'm bi-coastal, he's working and traveling all over the country, busy, um, uh, we're filming things. So um, us coordinating schedules when we can sit in the same room together um, took some doing. And now if you multiply that by 19 men, um, uh, it, it takes time. A couple of them, only a couple of them all happened in a day. Um, you know, uh, Brian Stokes, Mitchell and I spoke for one very, very long day, a full day, but we sat together, but, but it was one day that interview. Um, but most of them happened over, over, over multiple times. And so that makes it a, a multi-year process. Hmm. 
Well, Eddie, I want to really thank you for joining us on Broadway Radio. This is this is such uh, interesting, interesting reading. And I, I don't know if Jan told you, but it, the 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 preface of getting you on here was because you you have made the summer reading list, and so oh. this is this is uh, wholly endorsed. And so, <laughs> oh, I did you, not know that, and I'm delighted. I'm delighted. <laughs> from from Provincetown down to the Jersey Shore, people are going to be reading this on the beach. <laughs> I, I hope you know. I'm I'm actually going to Provincetown at the end of the year, and the when, the last time I was there, of course, I'm going to uh, to coincide with Stephanie J. Block's appearance. Um, <laughs> uh, I was in the bookstore in Provincetown, and I was like, "How does this place not have nothing like a dame?" So I've already contacted Oxford and say, see if they want me to do some kind of event while I'm in Provincetown on Wonderful Guy. Let's let's get let's get the Broadway into that store. So um yeah. So being on summer reading list certainly helps. Thank you. Well nothing like a dame was a uh was a big fundraiser for um Broadway Cares Equity Fights Age in the in the flea market they sold a copy of your uh your book that an autographed copy of your book that raised a, a ton of money for Broadway Cares. Yes, and, we and, did that I actually, after the book came out, um, and I'm doing the same thing with Wonderful Guy, I loaded a dozen copies into suitcases, where a suitcase, and I dragged them around to each one of the women to sign um, for exactly wow. that, um, to be able to auction them off at 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 um, the Broadway Flea Market and at, at events for the Actors Fund. Um, it's all part of sort of being of the community. I kind of feel like these women and men gave me so much um, that that my sort of um, doing that kind of thing to support their community um, and the community that they care about, um, it's an important priority for me. So uh, I'm, I'm, I've, I, I was in New York for a week, um, right after I finished an event, and I got 11 of the men to sign the book. So, so <laughs> eight to go. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Eddie, please touch base with us again after the next one comes out, and we'd love to talk with you again. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. It was a delight. Broadway Radio is being brought to you by Audible. Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment. At Audible, you can find the largest selection of audiobooks, ranging from bestsellers and new releases to celebrity memoirs, languages, business, motivation, and more like original entertainment from top celebrity creators and thousands of popular and binge-worthy podcasts. Our newest plan, Audible Plus, gives you full access to our Popular Plus catalog. You can listen all you want to thousands and thousands of popular audiobooks, original entertainment, and podcasts, including ad-free versions of your favorite shows and exclusive series. There is quite a collection of Broadway-related spoken word entertainment for you to check out. A few recommendations to start with are A Wonderful Guy, Conversations of the Great Men of Musical Theater by Eddie Shapiro, My Broken Language by Chiara, Alegria, Hudis, Hamnet by Maggie O'Farrell, and Mike Nichols, A Life by Mark Harris. All are available to download and stream so you can listen anywhere on any device. New members can always try Audible Plus for 30 days on us. With an Audible Plus membership, you can get full access to the Plus catalog. It's filled with thousands of titles across different formats and genres, from audiobooks to popular and exclusive podcasts to unique Audible originals like Words and Music series. You can download or stream without limit, and you can listen offline anytime, anywhere. Visit audible.com slash broadwayradio or text broadwayradio to 500-500. That's audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot com slash broadwayradio. And Broadway Radio is one word. Or text Broadway Radio, one word again, to 500-500. We'd like to thank Audible for continuing to sponsor Broadway Radio. So, Jan, that was a great conversation with Eddie's uh, so much energy. <laughs> yes. Yes. And the books, the book is, the books, I should say, are, um, are you know, just as delightful as, as he is. And you, you can tell why people would want to talk to him. Oh, absolutely. It, it, uh, you know. <laughs> and, and he's got Patty Lapone's home phone number. So we're all set there. So uh, talking with Eddie was really an idea that you had brought to me when I uh, said, hey, let's talk about the uh, the summer reading list of uh, 2021, because uh, for how many years have you been doing uh, the summer reading list at Broadway and Me? 
since 2007. Since 2007. So this is, uh, I guess, your 14th? Which is so. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just like amazing. Um, yeah. So it's well over uh, 100 books, well over 100 books. I do uh, roughly 10 a year, sometimes eight, sometimes 12. So it's roughly uh, 10 a year. So yeah, I guess it's close to maybe 150 bucks. <laughs> Yikes. So are, are you a beach reader or a, a park reader? or a... No, I'm a terrace reader. Terrace, uh, nice. Yeah. Um, each year when I write about the um, uh, list, when I introduce the list, uh, um, I remind people that I am out on my terrace. We have a, a terrace um, in our apartment. I'm out on the terrace. And each year I have a beverage of choice. And um, so I'm out there with my drink and my um, uh, book. Although in, in recent years, I've been reading um, on the iPad. And increasingly, I'm also listening to audiobooks. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes that's really great because in some instances, the authors uh, narrate the books themselves. And sometimes when you've got actors and they're doing their own books, it takes on a whole different level and becomes even more entertaining and, and involving. I, you know, we should have asked Eddie if he was going to have an audiobook of his uh, thing, although you did catch on to what I was getting at when he, I asked him if he had audio. Of yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I knew the light bulb. I could not see you, but I could feel the light bulb go on over your head when you're like, I know what James is saying. <laughs> I'll get Kelly O'Hara on Broadway radio yet. <laughs> One way or the other. So... um this year's list, 2021, uh, give us an uh, overview of it. Um, the books, uh, I think it's like half and half, maybe a little more of uh, fiction, novels. Uh, I'm not the only person who does uh, an annual reading list or an annual summer reading list, uh, but a lot of uh, the lists are composed of sort of social histories of Broadway or musicals and lots of memoirs. And those are on my list too. And I love reading those too. But what I really love doing is finding um, novels or short stories that are um, uh, have to do with theater. And so, um, yeah, I think half of the books on this a year's list are novels, some by, um, you know, just traditional writers. But there's one, um, when I was just talking about uh, listening to a book, I really recommend that people listen to A Bright Ray of Darkness by Ethan Hawke. That Ethan Hawke. That Ethan Hawke. Okay. Now it's and, making more sense. Yeah. And what's making it even uh, uh, more fun is the novel is about uh, an actor, uh, an actor maybe in his 30s, and he's married to a very famous woman, and they're in the process of getting a divorce right at the time that he is in a major production of Henry V. Hmm. And I think, I think some people may see some connections between uh, Hawke's own life, his, his uh, past marriage to the actress Uma Thurman, and uh, the big Lincoln Center uh, all-star production of uh, Henry V that I guess was like, I don't know, 2000 three, four, something like that. And um, this actor is under a great deal of pressure because he's trying to live up to, to the more experienced theater people who are in the production. He's trying to deal with his about-to-be ex-wife and their kids. And, uh, and it's, first off, it's really well-written. 
it's it's just a good book. It's a good novel, but it's even more fun when you're hearing Ethan Hawke read it because he doesn't just read this book, he performs the book. So if you're going to get that one, I would definitely get the audiobook version. Um, another uh, novel uh, by an insider is a book called We Play Ourselves by the playwright Jen Silverman. Mm. And she did uh, a couple of off-Broadway plays that people may know, The Moors, and I think it's The Rage of the Five Bettys, something Mm -hmm. like that. Um, And this is a play, there are elements, I think, of Silverman's uh, life here too, but it's maybe not as close as the Ethan Hawke book. It's about a playwright who makes a big social media faux pas, and it makes her just persona non grata in the New York theater world. And so she goes to uh, Los Angeles. She tries to hide out um, in Los Angeles. But when she's flashing back and thinking about her life in New York. I think people who uh, know the New York theater scene, particularly know the off-Broadway theater scene, will recognize some of the characters. Um, I don't want to say who I think they are, but (laughs) as as I was reading them, I was was thinking, oh, no, she didn't. She didn't say that about about him. She didn't say that about her. So it was uh, it's a it's a fun it's a fun read. It pokes real affectionate fun um, at what the life is of a promising young playwright and the sort of um, hoops that she or he have to go through in in order to get a play uh, staged and it's 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 great fun um <laughs> is it a horror book <laughs> <laughs> well in some <laughs> in some chapters it's not far from it <laughs> you get to read the book and you have ptsd at the end in yeah. some of them um i would not recommend anyone read it who's um, just about to apply to like mm. Yale or Juilliard or something, mm. <laughs> you know, read it later. <laughs> but otherwise, it's uh, it's great fun. Um, I think the last novel I'll talk about, and people may have, well, no, there's another one I like too, but um, people may have heard of Hamnet, H-A-M-N-E-T, by a writer named Maggie O'Farrell. And this book, um, to my great surprise, it just uh, sort of blew up. It's um, been on all sorts of awards and books of the year lists. And it is a fictionalized version of the love affair the marriage uh, between um, William Shakespeare and his wife, uh, Anne Hathaway, the other mm-hmm. Anne Hathaway, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> not this one, yeah. but, um, and the, the, the author has said that usually the way uh, uh, Hathaway is portrayed is she's this older woman who trapped of the promising young man into a marriage. I think she's about six or seven years older than, than Shakespeare. And there's the whole thing about his leaving her his second best bed and, and, and all of that. And she sees it as a real love affair between two people who just had gifts that other people in Stratford-on-Avon didn't have, and they recognized one another as being special people. And the book uh, uh, centers, actually at the center of the book, is the grief they share over the loss of uh, their son, Hamnet, and of, of course, uh, after Shakespeare's son died um, in their plague, 
uh, the Black Death of um, the 16th century, he wrote um, Hamlet. And uh, it's about turning grief and pain, um, transforming that uh, into art. It's a real literary, literary uh, uh, novel. But then there are, um, they're not all, you know, they're not all that. Um, there's um, uh, one, another one of the, I guess, big books of the year uh, uh, in terms of theater books is Mark Harris's uh, book about Mike Nichols. Um, mm. uh, Mike Nichols, A Life. Uh, it's called, and um, uh, I uh, say on my list that I know I know my uh, I know Mark uh, uh, slightly, and so and when when I do know the author of a book, I I do disclose that, and I do uh, I am friendly with uh, with with Mark, um, so I would you know I wanted to give his book a boost, but then I read his book and his book doesn't need my boost. It's, a, <laughs> it's like a really terrific book. He talked to over 200 people who um, knew uh, uh, Mike Nichols, but there's a special one that he talked to uh, who doesn't talk to people, has not given interviews very much. And that is Elaine May. And um, she sat down and talked to Mark about their early relationship, uh, the riff they had, their coming back together as, uh, as supportive friends for one another. And that alone would make the book uh, unique. But God, Mike Nichols knew everyone, and it seems as though everyone um, wanted to talk about their relationship with um, uh, Mike Nichols. I mean, so it's it's like this incredible life he led. Um, he was famous from uh, his twenties and on, on, until his uh, his death a few years ago. Um, you know, actor, writer, director, producer, um, and involved in shows that. I didn't um, uh, know that that he had a hand in. He's also a show doctor who would um, come in and just give advice and 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 help uh, shows that were going adrift or that were ailing. Um, just uh, and and it's not just a you know sometimes. You get these biographies, and it's just what a great guy um, someone is. And this isn't that. Um, I think as I was reading it, I wasn't sure. I mean, part of me was seduced by the glamour of Mike Nichols and the genius of Mike Nichols and how smart he was and how talented he was. But I wasn't always sure that I would have wanted to 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 know him. He could be he could be really mean to mm. people. And um and and Mark doesn't shy away uh from that. And he was a person who was self-aware, who knew that there were times when he was being mean, when he was being wrong, and who uh regretted some of his actions, but um sometimes fell back in and just all, all of his sort of uh, shortcomings, his depression, uh, his drug use, um, his philandering. Um, it's a, it's a really complete picture um, of this, you know, really major talent. I, I hate reading bios where only the good stuff is written. 
Yeah. You no. know, I, 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 I want these people to be human. I, I and uh, very, very, very tangentially to this is, mm. is that's my main concern about the Michael Jackson musical, this MJ musical that's that Lynn Nottage is, is working on. So, uh, you know, it, it's really important for an author like Mark, Mark Harris to, you know, give the full picture of the person. And it really sounds very interesting like he has done that. He's totally done that. And I don't see, oh, I, I don't see how you can do a just a, a glorious picture of Michael Jackson. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. And we'll see yeah. what happens with so, that. So uh, t- also tangentially to that is that uh, Mark Harris is uh, Tony Kushner's husband. Yes. So, so that's a book I want to see. You know, the two of them. I want to see a third person write a book about the two of them. You know, the, the competition at the dinner table about, uh, you know, my, my project going on, your project going on. You know? Well, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know of, of, of Tony Kushner. Uh, Mark is, when we've, you know, met at different events or something, Mark has introduced me to him. We said hello. But I have to say that Mark is just the nicest guy. <laughs> he, he really is. He's just a really nice guy. <laughs> so I don't know that there would be um, a lot of, uh, you know, rubbing of, uh, uh, of elbows at their, at their table. They seem like they're a pretty cool couple. <laughs> um, so, um, well, but who knows? Who knows? I, 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 learned a whole bunch of stuff about Mike Nichols that I didn't know. So who knows? And it's, and for people who um, also are really interested in how shows get put together, how movies get put together, Mark goes, it's a pretty long book. Um, and so Mark goes into great detail on the major projects uh, that Mike Nichols did. And so you really get a sense of the push and pull and what it takes to make a show work. Um, and so for people who are interested in that too, who aren't just, you know, interested in the fluff, the gossip, who he slept with, um, there's also um, some real meat in there about show making. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, uh, What's uh, one more book that's on your on your list here before we wrap up for today? I don't know. Is there is there anyone? I sent you a list. Is there any other book that you were particularly interested in? Well, uh, one of my favorite Facebook and Twitter followers is Mark Robinson, who mm. uh, has a great website. Mark Robinson, Mark Robinson writes, mm-hmm. uh, and his musical misfires books, the three dec- decades of Broadway musical heartbreak. Uh, I, I, you know, I love everything that Mark writes. So what was your take on it? It made the list. It's a, it's, it's a fun book and it's like a worthy, I think everyone, well, probably everyone listening to this podcast has uh, read uh, Not Since Carrie. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the great uh, Ken Mandelbaum book up about the great flops. And this is a real worthy successor because these are, those were from a different era, a different time. And this book, Musical Misfires, starts with um, the great, great misfire of Nick and Nora. Um, And then just uh, comes right um, uh, up to, I'm looking, uh, it even has, you know, it has things like bandstand and uh, first date, um, (laughs) bloody, bloody Andrew Jackson. So Mm. a lot of the shows that um, people uh, may have seen themselves um, and and may have feelings about hands on a hard body, mm-hmm. uh, uh, getting the band back together, about which I really do have feelings. And um, 
Um, other, you know, a lot of shows that you might even be surprised to see um, on the list because you'd say, well, that wasn't a misfire, but it didn't run. It didn't quite click. And I'm thinking shows like title of show or even a show like Grey Gardens or Carolyn or Change. These sh shows might have been um, uh, critical darlings. They might have been really beloved by, uh, you know, cult uh, classics, but he really looks at why they misfired. Why didn't they catch on? Why didn't they become the kinds of uh, shows like, like A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder, mm. um, which is not in this book because it found a way to yeah. capture a wider audience. And so this is looking at what happened to these shows. Some of them, you know, by uh, people that we all know and love. Some of them shows that some of us loved. Um, and, and so what happened to them? And so it's what, what I really enjoyed is just about every show on the list um, uh, I had seen. And so I, I, I had a chance to have um, my own um, opinion on it. And I think for a lot of Broadway uh, radio listeners, uh, you will have seen a number of these shows. And so you can be part of the conversation um, that the authors are having about it. My thought about it was that uh, it's almost a roadmap for the next 10 years of encores. You know, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> there are a lot of these shows here that, that it, that it would be good to see done in a different way. And that, would have an appeal to the um, to the encores uh, audience. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so that wraps it up. If you would like to look at the full list, get over to broadwayandme.com, uh, where this list has gone up on uh, July fourth, July third. What do you think? Yeah, about? July third, July the 3rd. Saturday. Yeah. Before, Absolutely. So get over to Broadway Me. Check out the list. You'll have a list of all the things, uh, all, all the different books that Jan has recommended for your summer reading. And uh, weigh in. Uh, email yeah. us. Email us or visit us on social media at Facebook, on Twitter, Instagram. Our email addresses are in the show notes. And let us know what you think of this list. See, uh, you know, suggest something if we've missed something. Exactly. It'll be on the list next year. I'm already yeah. starting. <laughs> exactly. So on behalf of uh, Jen Simpson, this is James Marino, and I want to thank you so much for listening to Broadway Radio. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.